So, April 1st. It's an April 1st podcast. What should I say for an April 1st podcast? Oh, I know. This is a football podcast now. Psych. Homers and hammers and homers and hammers and homers and hammers and homers and hammers. Well, if the 2015-2016 season was all about upsets on the women's side of curling, it just pretty much, the, the storyline went through to completion at World Championships last weekend when we had, according to the world ranking, the 6th and 7th best teams in the world finish 1-2, uh, not only in round robin, but also in the finals. And uh, Switzerland, led by Beanie Felcher, won their second title in three years, which also makes three straight years that Switzerland has won gold at Worlds. But the big story, obviously, was the Japanese team, led by, and I really hope I say this right, Satsuki Fujisawa, made the podium for the first time in uh, Japanese curling history, men's or women's. And and they were the two seed uh, all all week. They were very strong. They just ran through teams that you know the only team they could not beat basically all week was Switzerland, and they lost to them three times. They had one more loss beyond that, but they played great. They played aggressively. They played every sort of shot that you need to play to to be a champion. And you know, that really opened my eyes because Japan has never historically, even recently, been a, a formidable team. They've, they've been there. They've been about 500, but they just took that extra step up and, and really showed everyone what they can do. Obviously, Russia finishing third is, yeah, you know, once again, they're, they're just so close. You know, one of these years, you got to think Anastasiarov is going to win a gold at some point. And then Canada and Chelsea Carey, kind of a disappointing fourth. Anytime you don't make the podium in your Canada, you, you got to wonder what's going on there. Um, the United States finished six and five. They had kind of a rough start. I think they finished one and four, but they you know, finished right there in sixth place. Uh, that's pretty good, especially because this year is the um, first of two years that they are going to use the uh, rankings in the worlds to determine who automatically qualifies to the Olympics. And I think I think seven teams uh, go automatically, plus the host. So. Um, South Korea um, is eighth, and they're on the bubble, which means do better than South Korea, and you're probably in the Olympics. So, so far, so good. Another sixth place finish by U.S. next year, and they should automatically be in. So, uh, so good for them. Now, Switzerland, I, I, you know, again, Switzerland was the 22nd ranked team. On, on the circuit, Beanie Felcher was rather ranked 22nd. And they, again, just surprised everyone. They were very quiet about it, and, and they're there again. So if we're talking about teams that just keep winning despite what it says on paper, even what they do all year, I guess we should then turn to the Royals, Kansas City Royals, and let's finish out our, our 2016 preview of going division by division, you start at the Yale Central and you say, Kansas City Royals, World Series loss, World Series win, then what? And if you go by 
what they're you know go by projection systems, you're saying, well, this has got to be the year they're going to finish. You know, around 500, right? Well, before the projections came out, I was kind of thinking, you know, 83, 84 wins, and here they are at what 76, 77 is what a lot of them say, and. You know, sometimes computers can't pick up everything, or sometimes computers are just so much believers in regression to the mean that it's bound to happen. And I, I gotta say, it's bound to happen. So we will, and maybe just we're just gonna keep saying there's no way Kansas City's gonna win. They can win the next five World Series. We're gonna say they can't do it again, can they? So I'll just, I'll just go all in on that and say. And it'll be third or fourth place finish there. Minnesota, Minnesota Twins. You know that you know they're young, but again, where's their pitching? And uh, young team will we'll get good at some point. You look at Houston last year. I mean, they could surprise you, but they seem most likely like a fifth place finish. And then, which leaves us with uh, White Sox, which has not had a very good um, image the last month or so with the retirement of Adam LaRoche, which on paper makes their team better, but really exposed, exposed some team chemistry issues or uh, quirks, if you will, uh, about, you know, bringing a kid in, bringing a teenager in every single day, and some people have a problem with it, and some people have a problem with them not being able to be there. Now, you know, in terms of the White Sox, they're, you know, they've, they've got some really nice players, but I think overall... They'll probably finish right around where, where Kansas City is, which leaves us with Cleveland and Detroit. And I don't know what to think of Detroit because as everything went wrong for them, injuries and underperforming stars that were also injured, that you know, you talk to any fan in you know in the area and say, well, if they only got a couple outfielders and a couple starting pitchers and a backup catcher and you know a couple of middle infielders and trade for bullpen and they did all of that you know starting with Jordan Zimmerman Justin Upton um you know trading for Francisco Rodriguez getting Mark Lowe Justin Wilson you know some more complimentary pieces down the road there they did everything that a fan in a bar would say, and they still don't look like they're good enough just because they're, they're again, top heavy, you know, first half of the lineup, great. Second half of the lineup, still the same. Second place seems about what they do, maybe a wild card finish, but I th- this has got to be the year of Cleveland. It has to be. They were actually very good last year and they just couldn't win the close games. When you can't win the close games, that again, accounts to luck. They're pitching a solid their lineup was not good, but a second year Francisco Lindor, a healthy Jan Gomes, Jason Kipnis is not as bad as he looked last year. Michael Brantley is still there, and on and on and on. It's a solid team. It has very few holes, and I really do like them to win 89 to 90 games. Um, I also do like them to get about 89 to 90 fans a game. And, you know, that's a, that's a perfect ratio. Everyone, everyone, uh, gets, you know, gets, gets to sit close. Um, in the American League East, again, just another one of those 
where do you start, where do you finish? It's it's basically a snake eating its own tail. Um, everyone loves Tampa Bay, at least the projections love Tampa Bay, but they can't be good anymore, right? They they can't. I'm pretty still pretty sure they went to Cuba to try to figure out if this is a place they'd want to play in a couple of years. They'll probably finish last, um, or Baltimore, one of those two. Baltimore seems that they were really good and they were getting better, but you know, re-signing Chris Davis is probably something they had to do. But they're also going to have Pedro Alvarez and Mark Trumbo in the same lineup, and boy, that's that's a lot of statues. Um, Manny Chato's there, Adam Jones, good, you know, people up the middle, but boy, I really don't know what they're doing there. Which uh, brings us to the Yankees and another team kind of in transition. And you look at the opening day roster, and you're thinking, I don't know a lot of these people. I know Alex Rodriguez, and I guess CC Sabathia is still there. I guess Mark Teixeira is still there. They, you know, you see them; they're those names. What's left? So third place seems about right for them, and then brings us to the last two, Boston and and Toronto, and you know Toronto just everything went right for them. They went all in. They they got all the trades. They made it to the playoffs. They took their shot. They didn't get it, and now you're left with a great lineup and also some pitchers. They got a shot here, but you know it's it's the EAL East, and you got to say Boston. You know, it's just it's just what you do. You say Boston. Why not Boston? Even if they tank, why not Boston? Because they're you can't keep them down. They're the new Yankees, even though they've got players that are getting tons of money that aren't going to be doing that much. You know, look at Pablo Sandoval, for example. Just you know, yesterday said he's going to not be the starting third baseman. I, I don't think that's going to last. It'll take a couple of weeks before Travis Shaw gets a slump and he'll be back on the bench again all will be right with the world and Pablo Sandoval will be back to a starting regular that's underperforming but they don't have much else of a choice but you know the rest of it uh will come into play David Ortiz having his uh, farewell tour and uh some of those pitchers are bound to I guess pitch well enough because the offense will, will bail them out so eh, so that's the preview and uh I guess we've touched all 30 teams and not that bold enough to make picks on who's going to win the World Series because usually it's someone like Washington and Washington doesn't make the playoffs. So I will go on a limb. I will say someone wins the World Series. I'm not sure who, but it seems every year someone does win it. And I do like that trend to continue. So... We, we were kind of in that, you know, spring training, I think, for some, felt like it lasted a while. It did not last a lot for me. When you're a curling fan and a baseball fan, spring training flies the heck by. You are so focused on all the championships that you don't even focus on the spring training stories unless something incredibly wacky happens, and then it's just so much fun. I was not really paying attention to a lot of spring training battles. Let them figure it out. Because even though they make the opening day roster, like you said, referring back to the Sandoval-Travis Shaw battle, you could change it in two weeks just because when things are, are changing. Someone's slumping, someone's hitting, you know, uh, kind of hitting on fire, and things have changed. So, so I'm just looking forward to the season. It's getting there. 
course, we still have a couple more championships left. We have the uh, Men's World Curling Championship uh, starting in Switzerland um, this uh, tomorrow, actually. Kind of in the wee hours, but um, again, another very loaded uh, set of teams, set of 12 teams. Starting at the top, Nicholas Adine, Sweden, Kevin Cooey, Canada. Those are going to be two of your, I think though it's going to be one of those two. Um, in terms of the contenders, Thomas Ulstrud in Norway, I always love it. Norway is there. And, you know, they're, they're not as active as others, but they're usually, they're, they're well oiled to the point where they can just show up at Worlds and, and, and do well enough. Um, Aku Kaust of Finland, uh, his team did make the playoff. They did finish fourth last year. Big surprise, and, and they're back. And don't know if they're gonna um, repeat that, but they are a very polished team. They were last year's uh, Japan women's team, basically. They're, they're now you got to take them seriously. They're you know they they're the death metal team, but boy, they can play. You've got uh, Tom Brewster in Scotland. They they won the. Um, national championship there and um kind of a kind of a hot and cold team but you know they'll be right in there uh, switzerland is is kind of reloaded sven michelle uh teamed up with with the uh, uh fister brothers mark and enrico fister and, and they seem to have been playing pretty well and I've, I've been dancing around john schuster because boy you know i you're you're everyone's got an opinion on john schuster even people who are not curling fans because they know the name from the olympics and you know they 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 identify him as a as a team that does not win very well at this stage and they made the tiebreaker game last year and i said they might beat canada last year and they were almost close they're even better this is as good as a team as john schuster's ever had my opinion they're you know they they still give up the occasional big end here and there but you know everyone does and you know, it's it's still again bold to say that are they one of the four best teams here? I have trouble saying that, but I think they 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 can do enough to make the playoffs. I still think like a seven and four, six and five, um, is is probably more likely something's going to happen. Uh, filling out the bottom of the pack, probably Russia, Germany, and South Korea. Um, I, I uh, Denmark, uh, Rasmus Stern. Um, they just fell off the map last year when they got relegated into the B group, but they won the B group this year. They won the world challenge and, and they're back here. So, um, maybe keep an eye out on them because they're, no, everyone's counting them out, including myself. But, um, I think it's really going to come down to Canada and Sweden. Those are just the two, those are the class of the team. And, um, I know it's boring, but Kevin Cooley's just had an unbelievable to win the Briar. This year, the Briar of Death, the Death Briar, you win that. I, you're battle tested. So, I'll say Kevin Cooey, Nicholas Adine with uh, silver, and Thomas Salisbury will probably win uh, bronze over. Let's say, let's say Scotland. Scotland finishes fourth. Well, we have already broken the world record for longest podcast of a baseball in curling variety and let's just keep going because I got one more thing that I wanted to mention and it's uh, the news that came out yesterday that uh, the Team Canada 
uh, Pat Simmons rink has decided to basically disband. Uh, specifically, the front end of Nolan Thiessen and Carter Rycroft are stepping away, and uh, John Morris is going to have a, a hernia surgery and basically take a year off to sort of recover, and who knows where he's going to resurface. But Which leaves Pat Simmons to go somewhere and uh, find a team. Who knows where it's going to be, but uh, whoever gets him, I mean, that's going to really improve their chances. But um, I mentioned this yesterday. It the the Team Canada Pat Simmons team is is one of the oddest formations and stories that I've ever seen in any sport, and um, it goes back to when uh, Curling Canada said that the Briar will have relegation. It's going to have every province, and it's going to have a Team Canada. And when the Kevin Cooey team with Simmons and Thiessen and Rycroft won the Briar, they were going to be Team Canada. Well, Kevin Cooey kind of had plans of leaving and forming his own team. And once that happened, you were left with a team of three without a skip that was going to be Team Canada. And John Morris came in as as the skip uh, of the team, and they were going to... Um, Basically, be kind of play a light season, a light uh, season, but ultimately be Team Canada. And then they got there and really just fell flat to start off. I think they finished one and two, maybe one and three. But in the middle of that briar, they made a switch. They put Pat Simmons at skip. They had John Morris at third, where Morris was so good for all those years. Kevin Martin, and they just caught fire. They just kept winning. They went all the way to the gold medal game and. A gold medal, the Briar Championship, and they beat Brad Jacobs right at the end. Pat Simmons having a draw to the button, nailed it, secured their t- uh, time as Team Canada again, and they came back this year, did not even make the playoffs. And you got to think, if it weren't for rule changes, this team would not exist. I really think that the team would probably have disbanded because Carter Rycroft was probably going to take a year off. He, he wanted to, but he didn't want to break up the first Team Canada ever. That would have looked a little strange. And and now it's gone. So this this two-year era, I think we're going to look back in a few years and say, man, that was the, the way that team formed, the way it stuck together, the way that it just changed horses midstream. It just proves you can do that. Uh, and, um, you know, there there are... I, I, to give a decent example, about I think it was two, 2012 when when Jose Valverde kept blowing games for the Tigers in in the playoffs. They basically went to Phil Coke and they said, "Hey, you close games for us." And they never officially made him the closer, but he always wound up with the ball in the ninth. And changing horses midstream is fine, is you know because the just because you're doing it now is is a terrible reason for uh, continuing to do it. So, you know, wh- why do I do a baseball and curling podcast? Because that, the, the narratives just intertwine. I'm not forcing it. I don't think I'm forcing it. But, boy, they, they just, they run parallel so well together. So we've got one more week of the World Championships, followed by some Grand Slams later on, mixed doubles ch- World Championships as well. Um, but, you know, the, the baseball season starts. Everyone's happy again. Everyone's... O and O, and it'll take a week before everyone's completely miserable again with with their choice of team. And 
Wouldn't want it any other way.